Welcome to the Happy Homeschooler podcast, a digital support group for everyone interested in a learning lifestyle. I'm your host, Melody. I'm your co-host, Jennifer. I'm your co-host, Holly. Today, we'll be interviewing Nicole Gant all about the Montessori method. But before we get to that, what's everybody been up to? Jen? Well, (laughs) I just got back from another little quick trip. It was my son's birthday and graduation. He turned 16 and he graduated. And so he wanted to go snowboarding. So I have a daughter that actually lives in Vail, Colorado. So we went on a really, really quick four-day trip. We drove up there, snowboard for two days. I don't snowboard, but he did. (laughs) He had a great time. And I took one of my other adult sons with me too. It was just, it was so beautiful. There was so much snow. And one evening we hiked up a mountain in the snow and went uh, sledding. And it was just, it was beautiful, but I do not want to live in snow. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it was just so nice to visit it, though, um, and we had a really good trip. That was already planned. That wasn't spur of the moment. That it was a planned trip. Of, it was okay. a planned trip. But luckily, like we have a free place to stay there. My daughter works at the resort, so they they get passes for the lifts and all of that stuff. So it was easy to plan. <laughs> Otherwise, it would have been really pricey. Nothing yeah, that's cheap not in something Colorado. we could not something we could do on our own. But yeah, we're fortunate to have somebody there that has an inn. <laughs> and uh, so, cool. so that made it really fun and easy to go do. It was a long, long, long drive, but it was it worth is it. It was a long drive. Yeah. yeah, it really was. But but we had a really good time. And um, I went from, you know, two weeks before that being in a tropical spot to going to the snow. <laughs> and I much prefer tropical. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we haven't done a lot of schooling recently but that's okay my the one that I'm still schooling is in high school and he's kind of doing his own thing right now so it's been nice to have a lot of freedom to do all these other things with my kids too in the meantime but what about you Holly well I'm happy to report that one of the little kitties that I've been trying to help um, she's a little pregnant kitty I got her to a rescue organization they have her with a foster family and she'll get to have her kittens and the kittens will be adopted and she will be adopted and so another little kitty has a happy life and and then there was a a kitten yeah I'm so happy and then there was um there was a kitten that was still uh, living outside with her mom from a litter and she kept trying to come in the house so right before the ice storm so we let her come in the house and she stayed with us for about two and a half weeks and yesterday she got adopted so she has a happy little family yeah so um the population of kitties is dwindling down. We've got two female cats that are coming to eat um, and a male cat that was born under my house. Those three are friendly and we we can pet them and interact with them. So I'm going to work on finding them homes um, and getting them fixed if it takes too much longer to find homes for them. And then there are three guys that we call the Mysterios. Um, so they don't really interact with us. We see them, you know, run under my house or come out sometimes to get food if the other cats didn't finish eating. And the Mysterios are all boys. So they need to um, they need to have a trip 
to get fixed as well. Yeah. The county, I think, will bring me traps. And I, if I can catch them, the county will take them to the animal shelter and get them fixed and give them their shots and bring them back. I don't mind if they want to hang out, but we just don't need to contribute to the overpopulation yeah. of cats in this neighborhood. That's what we've been up to around here. Melody, what about you? What have you been working on? Well, I was laughing at the weather today because yesterday uh, my son and I were out in the yard doing all kinds of yard work and I had on a sleeveless top and shorts. And today when I got up, it was 48 degrees outside. So it's back to sweaters and long pants and, you know, socks. And we're staying inside because it's very windy here. We have just had some little things we wanted to do in the yard. There was still some cleanup from the ice storms and things we hadn't been able to get to yet. So I loved spending all that time outside yesterday. It was really great. The sun Mm -hmm. was shining and I was just soaking up the sunshine. And now I'm back in the house today. But that's the main thing that's new around here. We did some things out in the yard. And since we've moved, we haven't really been able to stuff like, here's the yard. What are we going to do with the landscaping? What do we want it to look like? That kind of took a back seat to getting the inside finished. And so it's nice to get outside. And we planted some garlic and onions and just getting things set up to do a little bit of a garden in the spring. But I usually garden more in the fall. But that's that's what I've been doing. I like winter in small doses, so I was perfectly happy for Valentine's Day to be warm, and we spent a lot of time outside that day. I hosted a Valentine party. I took our own advice that we give our listeners, and I hosted a Valentine party for our homeschool group. Oh, that's great. uh, Yeah, and it was outdoors, so nobody had to clean their house, which was great. Uh, My son even got a sunburn. It was so warm and sunny (laughs) that day. Yeah, but I'll but I'm also going to enjoy you know hunkering down and having some hot beverages. So best of both worlds, right? As here long as it's only like a day or two. <laughs> yeah, yeah, winter and yeah. small bursts. Yep, <laughs> that's the way we like it. Today we're talking with Nicole Gant about the Montessori method. Nicole, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Hi there, my name is Nicole Gant. I am a single mom of five adopted children, ages ranging from 19 to 25. I have been a Montessori guide and uh, head of school and homeschool teacher for 23 years now, about 23 and a half years. I'm very passionate about Montessori and what it offers to not just children, but adults. It's a scientifically proven method of education that helps neurodivergent, learning different individuals, as well as children, infants through teen years and adults suffering from dementia and other memory loss conditions. Like I said, I am currently ahead of school and I also just recently went to the border and helped implement and design the first federally approved education program for migrant children um, based on the Montessori philosophy. Oh, that's amazing. So Nicole, I was really intrigued when you mentioned that Montessori helps adults with dementia and other issues. I had never thought of Montessori as being anything other than an educational method for children. So how does that help adults? Montessori helps adults because it's it's largely based on hands-on movement and Maria Montessori's research, first of all, she was one of the first female doctors in Europe, in Italy, um, in the early 1900s. And she was only the second female doctor by about two weeks. And that was only because her father forbid her from becoming a doctor because women were not (laughs) 
doctors back then. They were teachers. Oh my goodness. And so she was given permission to be a teacher, but not a doctor. And so he he paused her training. And so she became the first female doctor by about two weeks. But Maria Montessori, she started this work because as a woman, she was given a job not to be a doctor, but she was given a job to teach about 41 children that were considered mentally retarded, which was what they were called back then. And she was giving these children, they were in a group home and she was told, teach these children and just keep them safe. And so because she was a scientist, she began to observe. It was herself and one other assistant with all of these children in different age groups. And she realized if she created these hands-on materials that were didacted for the children to automatically know what they could do with them, that they would begin to learn. Because obviously she could not teach that many children all at Mm -hmm. once. So the Montessori method was built on the philosophy of teaching and guiding neurodivergent individuals or people with learning differences or difficulty um, neurologically. And so it's been researched over the years that adults who are dealing with dementia, if they were using repetitive hand motions or materials, that their brain could cognitively remember those materials and apply them to their memory because they were using their hands. And so Maria Montessori, one of her famous quotes that I love is, the hand is the tool to the mind. And Montessori, one of the premises, basic premises of Montessori is repetition and consistency and routine. And with that repetition and routine, you get mastery. And it's the mastery that the that the child learns or the individual learns by doing a repetitive motion. So if you're doing this motion, right, in traditional education, children are taught to make the letter A with a pencil. Well, in Montessori, when we start with 18-month-olds and it's a mixed age group environment, 18 to 36 months, and then three to six, which it goes to kindergartners, three rows to kindergartners. So those kindergartners have what we call a three-year cycle. And then it is first to third grade and then fourth to sixth grade and then on up. And the idea is that you teach to the mixed age groups because you're teaching based on the child's development and you're teaching based on their interests. So in traditional education, when the child begins to show they're ready, they're given a pen or a pencil and they're taught to write. But in Montessori, we give the children materials that are didacted even as early as 18 months old that are didacted for them to use their pincer grass and to develop their dexterity as they grow. And from 18 months old, they're they're learning to pre what we call pre-writing, which then when they are actually ready to write on paper, they've not only used the materials that are didactic to develop their pincer grasp, they've also made those motions with their whole body and their whole arm mm-hmm. so that the mind remembers how to make the movement throughout. And actually, just a little bit of a fun fact, Helen Keller actually helped Maria Montessori develop the initial sensorial materials that we use in Montessori today. So they were wow. all to be hands-on materials, to be weighted, to be carried with the whole hand, to be used with the whole body, because Helen Keller could not see and she could not hear, so mm-hmm. all she did was feel it. And so one of the areas of the classroom is called the sensorial classroom, 
where it's all handheld and hands-on materials. And that is what we use with adults that are experiencing dementia is to give them these handheld materials so they're feeling it and processing in their minds what they're doing. That's fascinating. Wow. Well, so would you share with our listeners like the basic principles of a Montessori education? I I knew that it was always like free choice from purposeful activities that were specifically designed. Like, I, what would you say that the basic principles of a Montessori education are? Yeah, so Montessori is based on I wouldn't call it free choice, but it is it is guided education based on the interests of the child and the development of the child. Again, it's based on mixed age groups. So the premise is that the guide teaches or models to the older children and the older children model to the younger children. So they're learning Mm -hmm. even by watching. And so a lot of the premise is based on observation. And in traditional education, it is an all eyes on me as the teacher philosophy and Montessori is all eyes on you as the child based on observation. And so the guide is observing the child and determining what the child's interest is. So the child may have a strong bend toward mathematics because they may walk around the room and just count things, right? Mm -hmm. Or they may be more tactile, which we know today that more kids than ever are tactile and they need hands-on materials. And so if you have someone who is super great at Legos or building blocks or, you know, solving Rubik's cubes, then that is going to be someone who's more tactile and you can use those same materials. A lot of people in traditional education, they may put Legos away because they're considered a toy or an extracurricular activity. In Montessori, we're going to bring those Legos out And not only are we going to let the child be creative with those Legos, we're going to allow the child to now do math with the Legos because Mm -hmm. they're interested in the Legos as a material. The materials can be anything and you can design a Montessori material out of anything. So if there is a child who loves Play-Doh or if they um, love language, then we have what's called one-to-one correspondence where they have pictures of objects, the picture maybe of an an elephant. So they can match one elephant card to another elephant card as young as 18 months old. But Mm -hmm. as they begin to do pre-reading, they match the elephant card to the other elephant card with the word elephant underneath. And then they begin to identify and recognize the word elephant And then they recognize the word outside of the picture card. And then they begin to trace that word. And then they begin to write that word. And then the progression is that they read that word. And so Mm -hmm. the progression goes all the way through the ages and is based on their developmental abilities. Much like um, a home with multi-age children. Yeah. You know, teaching the older child and the younger child. That Montessori model is very a family-friendly model. Do you find a lot of people are incorporating Montessori as homeschoolers? I do, and they don't always know how, but it, it works so well in homeschooling because you typically have more than one child homeschooling. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have more than one child, you might have a pod or a co-op. And so it works beautifully with the mixed age groups. What I find is limiting 
some parents in homeschooling and with traditional education is they're trying to find the curriculum for their five-year-old and they're trying to find a curriculum for their seven-year-old and they have so many books and workbooks and curriculums that they're trying to work from but with Montessori you can definitely teach the same concept um, through the ages and even with an 18-month-old, you know, gap or a three-year gap, three to six, you can teach the exact same concept to the children mm-hmm. at the same time and offer what we call an extension with the same concept, much like I just described with the language materials. You can use that exact same one material in one work and add the extension to it for mm-hmm. a three-year-old and a six-year-old at the same time. And it works beautifully in homeschooling. And I found for my children, um, they loved it because it complemented their interests, but they were also able to work together as opposed to working separately. What would a day in the life look like at home? Is it less structured or more structured, do you think, than a traditional approach? Or do you have um, within the day, you notice what they're interacting with and you pull activities from that? Or do you have a like a routine that you followed. You said you said you have five yes, children. Yes, and there's definitely a routine. Montessori has the mistaken identity as being that education philosophy where children get to do whatever they want, but it's actually structure and routine in a okay. container. And that container is called a prepared environment. And so a part of that structure is in Montessori, we try to support and encourage as much independence and autonomy as possible. So one part of the classroom or one part of the teaching is also what we call practical life. And so practical life is any area where one takes care of themselves, their environment or something else. And so the first part of the day is going to be the child getting up and dressing themselves not being dressed, but dressing themselves. And if they cannot dress themselves, they get a lesson on how to dress themselves so they can do it by themselves the next time. So they dress themselves and then they prepare or help prepare their meal. If it's toast and jam, you know, we we teach them to put their toast in the toaster and toast it even as young as 18 months old. And so for my kids, you know, they had to determine what they were having for breakfast or if they were going to prep breakfast, or if someone was going to water the plants. And so there's a lot of practical life that happens throughout the day, even Mm -hmm. at the youngest ages. And obviously, as they get older, they get more responsibility. And, you know, in the real world, everyone calls it a chore, but in Montessori, we call it a job or community contributions. And Mm -hmm. so they do the practical life, and then they can also then go into the classroom area and choose their work. So when they're younger, the work is set out for them in the prepared environment and they go to the shelf and they pick the work off of the shelf. Anything they choose off of the shelf is a work and they're going to learn organically or they're going to get a lesson on it. As they get older, work is a little bit more directed, right? So Once they hit about age four, introducing a a bit more pre-reading as an expectation. Again, you have your child. One of my sons loves Legos and he could, you know, build those thousand piece sets in like a half a day. But one of the things he had to do before he could work on his Legos 
is do some silent reading and write about that silent reading. And then as an extension to that, write about the silent reading, like what were the parts of the book? What were the parts of the story? And just practice writing that in a journal. And then as he got older, we were able to expand that in terms of history and geography. And that's a beautiful thing about Montessori too, is it covers so many ranges as we Mm -hmm. homeschool parents love to do is cover lots of different areas at the same time. And my kids happen to graduate with multiple honors because we did it that way. And so any book, you know, if he, my son loved World War II, and so he would read books about World War II, or he would watch a movie about it as he got older. But then we would apply that to research and um, turn it into geography, what part of the world was in, what language were they speaking, what food would they be eating at that time, and then do some math work around it. And so the other thing we have in a Montessori prepared environment is map work and their beautiful wooden maps um, with all of the continents of the world in, in different countries. And so doing the map work and tracing, so it's you can see it, it can go on forever and ever and ever these basic lessons all the way to the extensions that go up through high school. How often do you change prepared environment? Is it something you do every day that, or do you wait for their interest to change and then change the environment? That's a really great question. So actually the environment doesn't change that much at all. What might change is we might add a little something to it. So for instance, you know, I was referencing the language cards or, or math as the basic material or the work might stay the same, but I may add an extension to it. So let's say they're doing math work and, and math can be done as early as age three. And when that work is done, we might put out pegs that match the numbers. So okay. when we teach math, we don't teach this is one, this is two, this is three. We put the peg out and we say, this is one. And we mm-hmm. may put five out and we'll say, this is five. Mm-hmm. So the child begins to conceptualize the number. So as an extension, that might stay the same because you can always add two five. Right. And okay. you're adding two five. So you need to add more. So then we'll add what we call hundred cubes or thousand mm-hmm. cubes. So they can continue to go up and organically, this is, a, this is another great thing about Montessori, children don't necessarily know they're learning math. And again, that's a difference between traditional education and Montessori. In traditional education, we sit the child down and we say, you're going to learn math right now, Uh or you're going to learn English. What we do is we give them the materials and we say, this is one, and this is how you added to this other number. And then we give them the, the object to go with it. So they're counting it. And the more they learn it, the more they begin to add to it. So we just keep adding to it, but we don't take it away. And as the parent or the teacher involved, are you just giving them instructions and then stepping away? Yes, it's very, it's a three-step process. It is, I I show you, you show me, now you do the work. Okay, and then do you let them do the activity for a set amount of time? For as long as they want to do it. Mm -hmm. So the goal Again, the goal in Montessori is to create an environment where we are elongating concentration and focus. 
because we are, we, you know, just generally speaking, we have children with low concentration span, low mm-hmm. attention span. And so the goal is to elongate their concentration and not to interrupt them. And that is very important part of the daily routine is to not have a lot of transitions, not have a lot of interruptions so the child can concentrate and stay focused on one work for an extended period of time. And that is also where the observation comes in. When we're Mm -hmm. traditionally teaching, we tend to go check on the child a lot. Are you okay? Do you need something? Do you have any questions? Or they come to you. And Montessori, we step back. We do the I show you. So we give the initial lesson. We ask the child, now you show me. And now you do the work. And we step away so the child can (laughs) do that work. We may observe them from a distance. And if they are doing the work really well and they they need or want an extension. And I I like to suggest to parents that you add that extension very quietly without saying mm-hmm. anything because the child will stay concentrated if you just put the work down next to them, but don't interrupt them. Homeschoolers, let's talk about our sponsor, Transcript Maker, the app that allows you to create a professional high school transcript right from your home. If you've been listening to our podcast for a while, you probably feel like you know about Transcript Maker. But if you haven't tried it yet, let me tell you why I love Transcript Maker. I recently just graduated my seventh child, and every single one of them for graduation, I've used Transcript Maker. So it's a long time I've been using it now. And one of my very favorite things about it as a parent with eight kids is that you can set it up and use it for multiple students at one time on one account without any extra fees. And that's been really, really helpful for me over the years. Along the same lines, you can also pay for it for just one month if you just want to go in there and make transcripts and it'll still save your transcripts for you. Or you can sign up longer if you have multiple students that'll be working through multiple time periods. And it's just been so useful to me. I've made transcripts on it for every type of student. I've had students that have gone into community college and I've used Transcript Maker for their transcripts successfully. And I've had a student that went into a honors program at a university in a pre-med program. And we use Transcript Maker for her all of her applications as well. And it's just been so easy to use. So if you haven't given Transcript Maker a try yet, you should give it a try. I think you're really going to love it. And just for our listeners of our podcast, you can save 20% off your subscription with our exclusive coupon code HAPPY. That's H-A-P-P-Y in all caps. Go to www.transcriptmaker.com today and fall in love for yourself. Transcript Maker, simply better transcripts. I like that because you are right. We're in a real short attention span era. I've even noticed for myself that my attention span isn't as good as I would like it to be. So I've been trying to remediate that for myself. How does Montessori look as you get up into the junior high and high school years? So junior high and high school years is more, I would say it it really begins to get strongly into liberal arts. Children have typically found their path and it's not all liberal arts, right? It could be a strong lean into math or STEM or language, lots of reading. And so that's where you get into a lot more research. Um, You get into a lot more history and death in that history a lot more field trips. And so field trips are very common throughout homeschooling. But for middle school and and high school, you could turn that field trip into like a short internship, whether it's a day or a week or a month, where they really take a deep dive in that subject. You can 
take them places and, and do a tour on the back end. And you're also helping them, again, going back to practical life because they already know how to dress themselves. But for middle school and teenagers, you, you know, they also regress because mm-hmm. they are still in their phases of development and they mm-hmm. kind of regress back to that primary stage where now they need reminders. So we get into <laughs> management. What does it look like to do time management, writing down strategies, creating a work plan. And these are things that you work with them to do is to create a work plan. So I'm not telling you, you have to do this math today, but I am telling you it did not get done. And so what is your plan to make sure that gets done? Helping them to develop as whole people who can hopefully be successful out in the world. There is a Montessori high school called UTI in South Austin. There are not a lot of Montessori high schools. I would really love to see more quality high schools. There are even fewer middle schools, and that is the reason I do encourage Montessori homeschooling if possible. There are some programs that say they're Montessori because Montessori is not a licensed name. The Montessori folks, I think, died out before they realized we could really make money off of this philosophy. (laughs) So it's not licensed. So, you know, I could have Montessori dog dog boarding and and it would be considered Montessori. So So it's kind of like buyer beware if you're putting your child into a Montessori school. Most of our listeners are homeschoolers, but as we know, um, sometimes you can't homeschool in perpetuity. So what would you tell our listeners, say they've been employing the Montessori method at home, but they have to put their child into a school. What would they look for to know they were getting what they wanted? I love that question because it's something I do. So you definitely want to look for a school that is affiliated and affiliated means they are either affiliated with the American Montessori Society or they are affiliated with the American Montessori International, short names, AMS or AMI. AMI was established earlier on by Mario Montessori, who was Maria Montessori's son. And really the difference in the philosophies is one comes directly from Maria Montessori. It is the same as has always been, and it will never change. And so the philosophy is, is very, some people consider it rigid, but it is what it is. And then the American Montessori Society, which is what I am affiliated with, is the same Montessori philosophy, but it believes that over time, the way you can present these these materials and these concepts and these lessons evolve with the child and evolve with the time that uh-huh. we're living in. There, It is not just one way of doing things. So that is the first step is making sure the school is affiliated with one of those associations and then making sure the guides in the school are certified. It's not daycare, it is a school. So you do wanna make sure the teachers and the guides are trained and they're certified and they understand the philosophy and the name is not just on the sign because it does make a difference and that does sometimes happen. That's good to know because it can be very confusing. Yes. Like you said, if the name is on there. So what does it take for someone to become a Montessori guide? It takes a lot of training. And so my particular training was done in Colorado and it was a master's level program done. It was an intensive master's level program in Colorado over a summer. I don't recommend that for anyone. <laughs> um, <laughs> Intensive doesn't sound fun, no. <laughs> no, and I, but I am very proud of my training. And again, the trainings do range, right? Just like the schools do. 
There is a chain of schools around the country now that are Montessori schools and they're doing their own trainings mm-hmm. and they're a franchise. And so they're just trying to get their teachers trained very quickly and they're doing their own trainings. But from my experience, their they're, guides are not as well trained um, because mm-hmm. the school itself is doing the training. So they don't have certified trainers. They have modules, but they don't have certified trainers. The school that I attended in Colorado had what we call dinosaurs. We had professors and teachers that have been doing Montessori since God made dirt. And <laughs> um, and so they were purists and they understood the philosophy and they were passionate about it and they were in love with it. And I also learned so much about child development in my training, not just about Montessori, but about child development. And I honestly mm-hmm. believe that it has made a true difference in who I am as an educator, that I can see the whole child and their development in so many different angles of it, in addition to the Montessori approach. And so there is a difference. I love that incorporating child development. That just always makes so much more sense. What would you tell um as someone who wants to incorporate a Montessori approach in their homeschool, like with their young ones, are there, do you have favorite resources or where would you direct someone? Cause they're probably not going to be able to go and get training. Is there a, a guide or something for people who are just starting out? Yes. So I approached a couple of links. So there are a lot of YouTube videos or a lot of um, resources on Pinterest, just in terms of materials that can be printed. But if you want to do some quick reading and just kind of get a sense of where you could start with your child's age range, you could use the name C is North American Montessori Center. They have a whole curriculum that you can either purchase or read through. And I say curriculum loosely because in Montessori, we don't typically use a curriculum, but it will give suggestions on lessons and materials that you can purchase or use in a Montessori classroom based on the age and development of your child. I would also suggest honestly doing more reading upfront because you don't have to go to a catalog and buy Montessori materials. They can be made. That's great. Right. With a lot of creativity and an initiative to do so, you can make Montessori materials. You can make them out of marbles. You know, the same mm-hmm. math work that I explained to you with the dots and the numbers You can make that with marbles. You can make it with rocks. Mm -hmm. You can make it with blocks that you have in your home, things that you have on hand that you collect. Small glass jars or small glass bowls can turn into practical life materials where the child is spooning or sorting materials from one container to the other or pouring. If you can see it and if you believe it, it, you can turn it into a Montessori material. So There's this idea that people have to have the perfect Montessori environment with the perfect Montessori materials. I actually started a school in 2016 with $500, and it was because I largely used Goodwill in the things that were around me, and I did not buy. I I bought some things like the maps and the globes from Montessori catalogs, but I knew what I could purchase or what I needed to purchase versus what I could create if I just put it together and I was creative. Well, you sound like you and I would get along just great because (laughs) when I was homeschooling my first five kids, I, I made a lot of things for them as well. Like I wanted them to have lacing cards (coughs) they could practice. So I just, I just took the front of cereal boxes and I cut out the colorful pictures and hole punched them. 
yes. and gave them shoelaces. Right. And there's a lot of satisfaction too, I think, in creating materials. Yes. For your students, for your kids. Mm -hmm. Lacing is a core material in our classrooms from 12 months all the way up to age six. You know what lacing teaches in Montessori? Teaches wrist rotation. Oh, sure. Mm -hmm. This is the wrist rotation is the same range of motion one needs to wipe their bottom. <laughs> and as a parent who's wiped a lot of bottoms, yes. believe me, yes. I'm glad when they right. learn that wrist rotation. <laughs> So again, like so many materials, they, they ha they're didacted to have this overarching reach of developing the child, but you don't have to tell a child that you're teaching them to wipe their bottom. You're just teaching them in and out or up and down mm -hmm. and up mm -hmm. and down. And that is the repetition that the brain rem remembers. And I always put language to whatever we do. And so even if I'm teaching a 12 month old how to use a fork, I'll take the fork with them and I'll say, okay, stick it. And I'll just push it down and go. Mm. So they're hearing that motion and then they do it. And I'll say, you do it. And they go. Mm. So now you've just taught <laughs> them how to use a fork. And that's a life lesson that they're going to need and use their entire life. Just like a three-year-old needs to learn how to wipe their bottom but they did it through lacing. You know what this reminds me of, and if y'all will just indulge me a bit, but in the Karate Kid, the original movie, when yeah. uh, Mr. Miyagi makes the kid do all the stuff, oh, yeah. like he's, and then he's <laughs> learned all the skills to use in his karate. You know, just mm -hmm. the same the yes. same thing. It was same He idea. was giving him a Montessori karate yes. education. <laughs> and we yeah, I love this. It's, it's things that, that we do a lot of times in just, you know, regular daily life with our kids. Yes, uh, but you just have more of an intentional focus of it, and you realize that it's more than just this little skill of using a fork or a little skill of lacing that it prepares the mind and the body to work together to use that skill in the future. I love it. It is understanding the skill that will ultimately derive from that repetitive motion. And it is, so, the, we often say wax on, wax off. It is, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's a right. process and it's the process over the product. So right. you're beginning with the end in mind somewhat. Yes. Mm -hmm. yeah. I love that. And yeah. we're also yeah. beginning with less paper, right? That in traditional education, that. looking for the product. What is the product? What is the grade? And and we're like, nope, we're not going to do grades. It's the process, and it's getting right. the child through the process, whether it takes a day, or if it takes a week, or if it takes mm -hmm. a month. We're going to continue to repeat the lesson until they get it and they master it. And that is the wax on and the wax off. Right. I think that's so important too. A lot of parents or people come in from a traditional model in the moving into homeschooling, forget that some of those very small steps are so important for building on and learning. And I don't know if it's because there's a focus on getting the paper and having a grade that parents often forget those small daily lessons are so, so important because they just keep working on them and then they move into something else. But you can't do that until you master those small steps in the beginning. You know, I, I spoke to a parent the other day who said to me, she stood in the parking lot of my school and she said, I know it's not working. She has her older son in public school. And she mm -hmm. said, I know it's not working. I don't know why we keep telling ourselves it's working or that it's going to work and it just give it more time. And she said, in the meantime, his, his light is dimming. Aww. And she said, what would you suggest? And I, I said, I would suggest a different approach, particularly Absolutely. with boys, particularly with boys, because 
we live in a society that has been developed by Henry Ford many years ago, that that model right. of education that has not changed. And we don't need that model anymore, but that's no. what we're basing it on. Mm-hmm. And so what we've been taught as a society it's just okay to put these boys in this rigid educational model and watch their light dim because ultimately we just want them to graduate come out and work in factories. Yeah, that's why I started homeschooling actually. My second child was a boy who never sat down. And yes. I had been trying to be a good public school mommy and going to school with my daughter and I saw this chair in the corner of the classroom with a sad face on it. And I saw a little boy sitting in it and I thought, oh, my heart, you know, I, I don't want my child to go to school and think he's a bad person because he's okay. just a little boy. And so that was in 1993. And here I am 30 years later, homeschooling <laughs> my sixth child, who is a 10 year old boy that doesn't really sit down. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> right. yeah, there, there's definitely a better way to educate the whole child. Yes. And yeah. one of the other concepts that we implement in a Montessori classroom or homeschool is that the child does not have to sit down. If a child is doing a big work, they can do it on the floor or they can spread it out on the table. They can stand up and work. And Mm -hmm. because there are multiple pieces to any material or work, chances are they have to take more than one trip to get the materials they need to do that work. So we have organically introduced sensorial or what we call sensory work by giving them the job of walking back and forth, getting the things they need, bringing it back, setting it up, rolling out the rug, doing the work, completing the work. We call it the beginning, middle, and end. We complete the work, they restore the work, they walk to put it back, roll up the rug, put the work back, and now discern, I'm done with this work, what am I going to do now? So it's that whole mapping and planning and sequencing that is so important for children that in the traditional classrooms, they're not given that opportunity to do sequencing and mapping and decision-making or that complex thinking because they're told what to do. Go here, go there. You know, do this, do that, and they're not thinking along those lines. And they also have to sit in the same spot all day. Do you feel like Montessori is an all or nothing thing? Do you need to do it completely all in? Or can homeschool families pick and choose from parts of it and use it in their homeschooling? I think you can definitely pick from parts of it, especially in the world that we live in now, right? It requires flexibility and it requires to see things in a different light. I think you can use Montessori. First of all, I just think it's so versatile that you're using it even if you don't think you're using it. Exactly. Um, And then you can introduce some more intentional concepts. But then again, as your child or as your student gets older, you are introducing a little bit more traditional concepts with Mm -hmm. reading and writing. The difference is Montessori children tend to use more of a complex thought process when doing it because they've been introduced to these concepts very early on when they were developing language. So their questions tend to be deeper, but your research is still there and they are still, they're learning to write. They may not take a test, but they are writing and communicating on a much deeper level. And that is a little bit more traditional. And you do want to make sure your child is advancing in those ways. And also the record keeping is important for parents because in Montessori, because you don't necessarily have the test and the grades, you still want to document 
what your child is learning and have what we call work samples. And so work samples might be a journal or might be some handwritten materials or a map or some research that the child or a book report that the child has done. I see Montessori, it's not a bubble. Some people see it as a bubble. I like to call Montessori, Montessori education for the whole world to help them be successful out in the world because you cannot keep them in a bubble. And if they can't go out, if they would like to go to college, they have to be able to write a paper. Right. Seems like some of it is just really intuitive for families anyway, you know, with all the kids that we all have had, I think each one of us realized like we can't do everything. We need to teach these kids some skills. Uh You know, I have a video of my, yeah, yeah. Uh, I have a video of my son when uh, he was 18 months old, putting silverware in the silverware drawer. Yeah. You know, because I was just like, hey, you want to do it? Go for it. You know, you want to do it. That is so important. And and it just makes my heart light up when you say, do you want to do it? Because they really do. I'm convinced Mm -hmm. that toddlers could drive your car if their legs were long enough. (laughs) (laughs) Because the main thing they say all day is no. And I do it myself. Mm -hmm. I do it myself. Right. It is the adults around them to go. Oh, no, 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 no. You can't right. do that or I'll do it for you. Right. Mm-hmm. Montessori also, one of the, the components of Montessori is patience around the process. So if <laughs> yes. you allow them to put the silverware in the mm-hmm. drawer one by one and they drop nine of them on the floor mm-hmm. and it doesn't freak you out, you know, and they pick them back up and they put them in the drawer. And if you allow them that process, they develop the confidence and the self-esteem around that process and they get better at it and they want to continue to do it is the adult world that tells children they can't do it. And so they begin to believe it. Children don't come out of the womb believing they can't. They come out of the womb believing they can and they will until we stamp it out of them. Absolutely. I love that. That is true. I do too. And I love what you said about that whole process of I show you, you show me, you do the work. Like all of the little things we teach them to do around the house to be self-sufficient, we kind of introduced them that way. Here, you want to do that? Okay. You know, and they, they do it their own way and they watch you do it. And then they change the way they do it a little bit, but they're doing the work. I just love that approach. I'm just so thrilled, Nicole, that you responded to my query on Austin area homeschoolers for someone who would be willing to share about Montessori. Um, We got a goldmine when you offered to Mm -hmm. talk with our listeners. So thank Thank you you so much. We appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate you offering. I'm so glad Nicole joined us today. I learned a whole lot about Montessori. What did y'all learn? Oh my gosh, so much stuff. (laughs) I thought I I had a general understanding of Montessori, like a basic understanding, but I, a lot of the history of it, she told us I didn't, wasn't aware of. I especially was interested in the way it came about with adults and how it can be used for people with dementia and things like that. That was so fascinating to me. Yeah, I, I thought it was really exciting to know that in some ways, we all have incorporated some element of Montessori unknowingly mm-hmm. in our lives. So it makes me feel like if you did it even more intentionally, it would be very natural. Because yeah, I we, think so. Yeah, we've almost all done some of it. I always had the impression that Montessori was, you know, like the kids were running everything. So it was interesting to me to find out that that's not actually the, the way it goes, but that the person is a guide more than a teacher. Mm-hmm. And that sounds like a really gentle way to help people learn, which I really appreciated. Appreciate how much thought there is behind the process. And, and I like right. that 
emphasis on the process more than the product. Because from the beginning, I've never been much about worksheets and as much paper as we could generate, but like the process of learning. And so I right. really appreciate that about that. And the understanding of the whole child and child development and the stages and how to incorporate that into a gentle kind of learning system is, is really amazing. I loved hearing her ideas or how it works for junior and senior high, which I had not Mm -hmm. considered. I just always thought it was elementary and preschool. Yeah, I mean, apparently Montessori is a lifestyle and not just an educational method. Yeah, that's what it seemed like. But I do, like, as, as an unschooler, I feel like I know I see that Montessori is more structured and more... There is more involvement from the educator, but there's so many ways that it's also similar to unschooling, like, you know, following your child's lead and especially following their lead for readiness for new skills, um, mixing Mm -hmm. age groups together, things being a lot of hands-on learning, combining different areas of study together. A lot of what we've done with unschooling, even though for me, it's more following the kids' interest and then giving them the tools they want for their interests, still incorporate all of those same ideas and the practical life skills as well. Yeah, I I was thinking the same thing as a Charlotte Mason homeschooler, that some of the things that Nicole was sharing are very similar to how we do things. Um, When she was talking about her son having to do his silent reading and Mm -hmm. then writing about it in Charlotte Mason, you know, we start by having the children narrate And then as they get older, those narrations become written Mm -hmm. and then that prepares them for entering higher education, just in the same way she shared how writing about what they read prepares them to enter higher education. And the same here, because as you know, we used a lot of unit studies where we spent a long stretch of time immersed in a subject and Mm -hmm. other things came out of that. And I could see that there were some very Montessori elements in our school, whether I recognize them as Montessori idea or not. And I think as we've been talking to different people over and over, the things that work and the best ways to approach education go across the board, no matter what, you know, your approach is. Yeah, like, I think that's a these, really good point. It's fascinating. It is. And a lot of it, although we've all heard differently and then all of the people we've talked to with these different methods do it differently, but a lot of it comes back to to the observing your child and knowing what they need and what they're ready for. Right. Yeah, I was struck by that, how there are such similarities at the very core of what Mm -hmm. we all do, even though we are all doing different things. Right. um, Mm -hmm. But there's so much about it that's very similar. And I think that that is something our listeners should feel really good about. That no matter what your educational approach, there are core things that we all do that set our children up for success. Right. I'm just so, so thankful that she joined us today and we'll be sharing all of her, the links that she gave us in the show notes. Here at the end of our podcast, we like to answer a big question we've been seeing on our homeschooling groups. Jennifer, what's our question for today? Well, our question today is, I'm seeing a lot of ads and posts about hybrid homeschools and co-ops. I want to homeschool my kids, but I have to work. Are these programs worth the money they're asking for? So what do you guys think about this question? So as a person who's been homeschooling for a long time and working, there's always a way to manage it, you know, to homeschool your kids. But I think they do fill a need for people who, yeah. for one reason or another, they can't commit to homeschooling full time or it didn't right. work well for their child. I know that out here where I live, 
Um, there was the new charter school that started in the fall and some homeschool parents put their kids into the charter school, mm-hmm. but that didn't really work for them either. And they've gone to hybrid homeschooling where their right. kids go to a facility a couple of days a week. The facility plans all the work. They, they have the curriculum and everything. And then the other three days that the kids are at home with their families, they're just finishing up are doing more of the work they started those two Mm -hmm. days they were on site. So um, in my opinion, that's really kind of a private school, not a homeschool so much. But it does fill a need for people who don't want their kids in public school and can't afford a full-time private school. So I think that, you know, it fills a need, but I wouldn't necessarily say it was homeschooling exactly. I agree. Although I have seen new types of hybrid homeschooling popping up. There's like nature schools that meet once a week or in this question also about co-ops. Um, there's many, many kinds of co-ops that, you know, are formed in homeschooling groups that meet, you know, once a week or twice a week and they're run by parents and you know, as far as whether or not those are worth the money, it's really, you need to see what you're getting. And the prices vary so much in these programs. Like the program you're talking about, Holly, I know is like a a very huge tuition, but some co-ops are, you know, low cost or even free if parents are all volunteering their time. I guess it really depends what you're looking for as to the worth, you know, for you and your family. Right. And then there are also those hybrid programs where it's kind of a la carte and your children are there to take a class, specific yeah. classes. They can take as many as they want or whatever the parent needs because some parents are not comfortable teaching, I don't know, middle school English or high school science. Mm-hmm. So they really would prefer to let someone teach and they're happy to pay so that those teachers can, you know, be recompensated for their time. But it kind of, like you said, and like I guess we've all said, it depends on what the parent needs. There is a place for those. But you yeah. kind of want to find out what the school is going to offer and how much it's going to cost and if it's really what you need or if you can. I know some families that piece together their homeschool program with some a la carte classes and then some other mm-hmm. kind of like a university model. But they still consider themselves homeschoolers. And it may just be because the parents are the ones in charge of deciding yeah. what their children are going to be doing. I just want to caution people that even though these programs exist and they're quite popular now, that they aren't necessary to homeschooling. You do not have to have your child enrolled in a hybrid homeschool or a co-op or outside classes. You can homeschool successfully without doing that. But the more and more I see of, you know, more programs being offered, I feel like parents might feel like that's part of homeschooling, that it's needed yeah. uh, for their student. And it, it, it you know, if, depending on your situation, it might be useful for you, but it isn't necessary as a homeschooler. The other thing I want to caution people is that depending on where you homeschool, you will have to be very careful about yes. participating in some of these programs. Mm-hmm. Here in Texas, as homeschoolers whose schools are private schools, we're allowed to access this type of thing, but that might not be true in every state of the union. Right. Before we go, we want to leave you with a few reminders. The late registration deadline for the March 11th SAT is February 28th. So if you want to attend the March 11th SAT, get on that. If you want to support us here and help us grow, it would be great if you'd help new people find our show by leaving us a five-star review where you get your podcasts. Remember that you can get 20% off the cost of your Transcript Maker subscription with the code HAPPY. That's H-A-P-P-Y in all caps. Next time, we'll be discussing incorporating nature in your homeschooling. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Melody. I'm Jennifer. I'm Holly. 
Happy homeschooling! Hi, this is your host, Melody Gillum. Thank you for listening to the Happy Homeschooler podcast, a transcript maker production. My co-hosts are Jennifer Jones and Holly Williams-Urbaugh. This podcast was produced by Matthew Bass and edited by Nora Williams. Our graphic design is by Pete Soloway, and our music is by The Great Pangolin. You can find more of her work on YouTube and Twitter at Kylie Wins. That's K-A-I-L-E-Y Wins. If you'd like to help our podcast grow, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Or, as always, tell people about us. Um, I'm currently the head of school at um, School in the Hills in Steiner Ranch. Okay. in the hills montessori okay. and steiner is, ranch is head of the school like the principal it is yes okay. <laughs> well one little guy calls me the boss <laughs> <laughs> that's adorable yes.